0: We're happy you've tuned our way today and trust that our time together will prove a real blessing as we continue with the series of studies designed to help you understand and enjoy the Bible. My name is Alex Kurz, and it's my privilege to invite you to join us as Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, brings us another message from the Word of God.
1: Thank you, Alex, and welcome again, my friend, to another opportunity for us to study together in God's Word. It's a real joy. Uh, to be able to turn to the pages of the Word of God and how the Spirit of God to speak to us through His Word. Can I remind you that we meet here each week at this time, uh, right here at this place on the dial, at this time of the week, uh, each week, uh, for a Bible study together. This is a Bible study program. If you listen on a regular basis, you know that. If you're, this is the first time you've tuned in, well, then I want to tell you that the, what what the issue with us is what does the Bible say? We're not here to uh, promote a denomination or a philosophy or a tradition or an organization. Uh, we don't have anything for you to belong to. We don't have anything for you to subscribe to that way. Rather, we're here to exalt a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, out of a book called the Bible. And our goal and our aim is to help you understand and enjoy the Word of God so that, 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 that the Word of God can, can become alive and work in your life. Nothing is as exciting in all of your life as to have the Word of God effectually work in you that believe it. You never believe the Bible till you hear the Bible, understand the Bible, grasp what the Word of God says, and it's your faith resting in an intelligent understanding of God's Word to you that liberates God's Word into your life as a living uh, force and, and the power of God working in your life. And that's what we desire for you. And that comes by understanding, having an intelligent understanding of God's Word. That's why we study the Bible. And we study what the Bible says week after week. We're down to Galatians chapter 6, verse number 14 and uh, in, in the book of Galatians. And this verse is probably one of those, uh, I shouldn't say probably, it is one of those verses in Galatians that's widely known. Uh, I suppose most people that know anything about the book of Galatians know of Paul's statement, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Uh it's strange but wonderful that Paul would glory in the cross you know sometimes you'd think that the cross would be the thing that you wouldn't want to glory in uh that, that there's the, the the instrument of shame and rejection and yet Paul said that's the very thing that I glory in by the way that word glory there uh sometimes folks uh the the, the word is translated glory uh is has several different ways of expressing itself the word glory is, is the outward demonstration of joy. Uh, the word rejoice, that's, that's the, the private demonstration in the heart. And Paul is saying, I don't just have the, the private uh, um, uh, praise and, and, and boasting in my heart about the Lord. This is a thing that comes out in my life. My life, my outward demonstration of life is designed to glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, now you'll recall that Peter at Pentecost, uh, well, at Pentecost, the crucifixion was considered a matter of shame, and Peter called upon the nation Israel to repent of the horrible crime of of having mistaken their Messiah and crucified him, and because Israel did not and would not repent. It was for that reason that the nation has been set aside uh in the purpose and program of God, and that that takes place in the book of Acts and through the fall of Israel, salvation goes to the to the Gentiles through the ministry of the apostle paul and it's Paul when you come to Paul's ministry that you find Paul boasting in the cross and actually proclaiming the cross as the glorious remedy for man's uh, dreadful malady of sin it's paul that uh, that that uh, uh Boast in the in the preaching of the cross. It says, "For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us us which are saved, it's the power of God, and it's because of, of of what the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished, because of the glory of the cross, that in the cross Jesus Christ put away our sins." by the sacrifice of himself, that, in, that by the cross we're, we're justified through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. is because of all that God did at the cross that Paul glories in the cross. And I want you to notice in Galatians 6.14 that that's what the verse says. Uh, oftentimes this verse is quoted, and then people proclaim the glory of the cross. But that isn't exactly what Paul is talking about here. He says, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Because of what the cross uh, has accomplished, Paul gloried in the cross. He he made the cross the center, uh, uh, the focus, the object of 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 his glory, of his rejoicing, of his praise, of his worship, of his attention, of his honor, of his affection. It was the centerpiece of all of Paul's life. Everything in Paul's life focused on the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what happened at the cross to make Paul so so, uh, enamored and so captivated by the cross? Well, Galatians is a book of the cross. Every chapter we read about the cross. Chapter 4, verse number uh, 6, for example, we just read backwards here. Uh, we're told that, that Jesus Christ was made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we through this, um, that we might receive the adoption of sons and because you're sons God has sent forth the spirit of his son in your hearts crying Abba Father wherefore we're no more servants but a son and if a son then an heir of God all because of the cross work of Jesus Christ we have this new identity of full grown sonship in the family of God we've got this new position with God Galatians three thirteen, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How, being made a curse for us, for it is written, "Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree." Galatians two twenty, uh, Paul says, "For I am crucified with Christ; nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me." Chapter one verse four, he talks about the the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God our Father. You see. The cross provides our salvation. It provides our initial justification and redemption before God. Uh, uh, We're redeemed. He redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. It's because of the cross we can sing that song, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We sing it was grace, redeeming grace, that paid my ransom full and free. We sing that because of the cross. Then he says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The cross isn't just the initial uh, provider of our salvation. it, It gives us power to become the sons of God. We sing the song, Once far from God and dead in sin, No light my heart could see, But in God's word the light I found. Now Christ lives in me. Oh, what a salvation this, that Christ lives in me. God has given us an identity with Christ that that affects every moment of our present existence. Why? Because of the cross. And that's what what he's talking about when he says he gave himself for us, that he might deliver us. We've been delivered. We've been redeemed. We've been set free. We've been empowered. The cross is everything in, in Paul's mind. All of this, all of this is the special message committed to Paul's trust. It's what he called the preaching of the cross. Not not just talking about the gory goo of the event, but the preaching of the accomplishments of what Jesus Christ did at Calvary and what that means to us. Now, Galatians 6 is a very similar context. We've already seen in these verses the Galatians were spiritually ill. The cross and what God had accomplished there for us was being minimized to the Galatians by the denominationalists that were coming in and drawing their attention away from the finality of the cross of Christ and the reality of the resurrection life of Christ and pointing them toward denominational traditions and religious exercises. And Paul is concerned about them. We saw last time, verse 11, you see how large a letter I've written unto you with mine own hands. Paul's concerned about them, and and, and he puts that concern into action by writing the letter himself. For as many as desire, verse 12 says, to make a fair show in the flesh. They they constrain you to be circumcised, uh, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. That's what religion does. Religion is designed for the satisfaction of the lust of your flesh, the works of the flesh, religion, the the self-effort, just glorying in your flesh. But verse 14, Paul says, but there's a great contrast in Paul's attitude. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith glories in the cross. Flesh glories in religion. Flesh glories in what you can do, or you can get somebody else like you to do for you. Faith glories in what God has accomplished for you at Calvary. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. You see, religion is just the big show of the flesh. And its motives, Paul lays them bare here. It's, 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 it's frightening how, how, how he cuts right to the, to, the, to the heart of religion. He says the motives are simply to show off the flesh, show off the physical. They constrain you to be circumcised. They want you to have a physical operation, some outward change, only lest they should suffer persecution. For the cross of Christ, they don't want you to do it because it's going to benefit you, but because they want to avoid the cost of uh, of losing everything for Christ's sake. Whatever the physical operation is, if it's a water ceremony or some sacraments and that 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 are to be observed, or if it's a beautiful building or a well-trained choir or you know some some. Uh, in in, in inspirationally said prayers or some um, homiletically balanced sermonettes, (laughs) the special days and the promotions and the drama and the the praise and worship, whatever it is. Paul said it's just a fair show in the flesh. And it's designed to, to avoid the offense of the cross. The offense of the cross is that there's nothing that you and your flesh can do that God will accept. It has to all be his son. For neither they themselves who are circumcised, he says, keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that, you may, that, they, may, that they may glory in your flesh. You see, religion is really just a cover-up for sin. It's not that they, that they, they don't even keep the law. People, people who are promoting religion to you, the people promoting it don't even do it perfectly, like the demand is. You see, the law demands perfection. A fellow said one time said to go to heaven you have to be perfect. How you doing? <laughs> you got a problem, don't you? Well, if if you can't do it, then why you want somebody else to do it, telling them they have to? No. Religion in an effort to get uh, get to the truth If someone really wanted to hear what the law says, Paul's already said it in Galatians over and over. Go back and read Galatians 3 and 4. Don't you hear what the law says? You that desire to be under the law, don't you hear the law? Don't you pay attention to what it says? What does the law say? The law is a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. It would teach you that you're not perfect, that you can't save yourself, you need a Savior. But they desire that you be circumcised, they desire to have this outward performance, this outward operation, this outward change, that they may glory in your flesh. It's just something to cause them to look good so they can glory in themselves and their ability and your accomplishments and the achievements. You see, they think that if they show people what, what a great job they're doing, well, then they'll just uh, they'll glory in them and they'll ignore the other. Religion is that way. It's a great cover-up for sin. Paul said, that's not what I'm at. But, and I go back over those verses just to get to that but in verse 14, but there's another way of looking at things. God forbid, Paul says, that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I want to glory in Christ, just in him, just in what he's accomplished. The finished work that he's done at Calvary is everything to me. Paul said, I'm not looking to myself I'm not looking at my own righteousness, my own power, my own ability. I just look off across the ages to the cross work of Calvary. And I sing hallelujah for the cross. It's the basis of my acceptance before God. It's the basis of my salvation from start to finish, all the way through. I get saved through the cross. I live through the cross. And the cross is what will get me through to the end. Now, Paul gives a very personal Reason, In fact, actually three very personal reasons in these verses for glorying in the cross. And again, he's not simply talking about the glory of the cross. It's because of the glory of the cross, what the cross accomplishes, that Paul glories in it. And he says, the, he says God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Paul says, I I glory in the cross because the cross changed my relationship to the world. Um, Once I was locked into the world system, controlled by the world, and the cross changed all that. If you turn over from Galatians 6 to Ephesians 2, just the next book, Paul says that... um, that that wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of, that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You see, in our past, before Christ, B.C., before the cross, we were We were locked in. We walked according to the course of this world. Now, the world uh, here is not talking about the planet, the earth. It's talking about the world system. Back in chapter 1 of Galatians, he began talking about the world, that Jesus Christ gave himself for us, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. The world there is the system that's under the control of the adversary he's the prince of the power of the air the 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 uh one who controls the course of this world first john five nineteen says that the whole world lies in wickedness right into the in the lap and under the control of the wicked one uh, it's like the 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 adversary just cradles the world and all who are in it in his arm and rocks and lulls it to sleep and the world is the system that promotes the ends, the goals, the aims, the desires, the designs of the satanic policy of evil. The world system is under the control of Satan, and it's the manifestation, the expression of his philosophy and his goals and his ambitions, and it's the channel through which his program is developed. Colossians 1 calls it the power of darkness, the authority, the right of the satanic program of darkness, not light, but darkness, not truth, but the lie, to run run and rule in your life. The thoughts, the ideas, the maxims, the 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 uh, uh, whole ideas that surround the present evil age. Uh, particularly so is it an evil age because it's the age of the official rejection of Jesus Christ. And you know we live in a desperate world. The rightful king of the universe is absent. His own exile is rejected, and we live in a desperate age. Um, with the with, with the hope of the, this world on exile in heaven, it's a little wonder there're no answers here. We live in a meaningless age. Uh, the 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 cares of this world weigh down all of us. It's an age of worries and anxieties and restlessness and confusion and and and, and uh, searching for something that's going to be real and satisfying, and yet unable to find it. We live in a foolish age. Paul says that when the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You know, we live in a world that the only thing you know for sure is that you don't know anything. <laughs> and they just drifting and and, and reasonless and uh, foolish, guided by evil passions. The course of this world dominated by those that, that live under the authority of the adversary. And Paul said the cross changed all that. The cross changed my relationship to that world. I'm dead to the world, and I'm alive unto God. You see, when you get saved, when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, it changes things for you. Paul says, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Salvation is taking you out of the world and giving you to God, putting you, taking you out of the world and putting you in Adam, putting you in God's program, in the Church, the Body of Christ, the channel through which His program is developed today, the expression uh, and the manifestation of God's life, and God's philosophy, and God's attitudes and God's actions under His control, under His authority. That's where we are. Today. That's where the believer is today in Christ, and it's the cross that cuts us off from the world and makes us alive to God. Now the world might be religion or school or sex or ego or drugs or booze or greed or money or whatever it might be that that's that's caught you. Whatever the system that you're trapped in, it's the cross that changes it. And there are two sides to it. By whom the world is crucified unto me. That's the historic reality of being in Christ. Paul said, "I am crucified with Christ." The world's been crucified to you. Your union, when, when, when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, God puts you in his Son, and you're dead to sin. You're dead to the world and alive unto God. So he says, the cross crucifies the world unto me. That's my position. That's my identity. And I unto the world. That's the practical impact of the identity God gives you in his Son. Paul says, frankly, when I was put into Christ, Christ became everything and the world became nothing. And I just don't have a lot of interest in the world system anymore. That's the positional truth. That's the, the reality of who I am in Christ Jesus. You see, you're, you're separated from the world system by identification with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. You're dead to the world. But now you've, you, you, that, that, that new identity, when you understand it, begins to have an impact. Paul said, I've lost my taste for the world. I'm, I'm dead to it. I just, just put it out of your mind. Put it away. It's buried, forgotten, ignored, and now I'm alive unto God. I can be all wrapped up in Him, praising Him for His grace and for, for the spiritual blessings that He's given me in His Son and the life and the purpose and the meaning that I have in Christ. You see, it just has to do with discovering what God's done for you, who He's made you in Christ, and walking in that reality by faith. When Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Christ, of Jesus Christ of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. He says the first reason I glory in the cross is because it changed my whole relationship to the world around me. I'm I, I'm free and I'm in Christ, and now He's the one who's completely captivated my very soul. My friend, have you come to the place where you've gone past religion? into the reality of life in Christ Jesus. Well, that's what Galatians is after. Galatians wants you to move beyond the the performance-based acceptance of of denominations and religious systems into the grace-based identity God gives you in His Son. Could I give you a free Bible study tape that'll help you go on with this? The tape's entitled, I Will Glory in the Cross. And it's an exposition of this passage done with more time and more Uh, ability to to look at the things that we have just here in this short half hour together. If your life, if in your Christian life, your heart's desire is to have the, the, the life of Jesus Christ be what lives in you, then you need to listen to this. You need to get this Bible study, and you need to understand how it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And my friend, maybe you're not saved today. Many people that listen aren't. You don't know for sure that your sins are forgiven. You don't know for sure that you have eternal life as a present possession. You can know. And this tape, this Bible study, will help you to understand how that it's the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ that's the answer. I'd like to give you the tape. I'd like for you to have it so that you can study it on your own and have God's Word go to work in your life for His glory. To receive your free copy, simply call me here at our toll-free number 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me here at at, at The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. That's The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. My friend, we also want you to know about Grace School of the Bible because we have a we have a rather uniquely designed 3-year Bible Institute program available on an extension basis. Our school is is unique in in several ways. First, we we follow the Pauline design for the edification of the believer in our curriculum. Rather rather than patterning our curriculum after the standard systematic theologies that are uh, used by most Bible institutes and Bible schools and seminaries, we we followed a clearly designed outline and pattern for edification that's found in Paul's epistles, and what that does is it allows students to grow to maturity uh, the Pauline way, and and to quickly be prepared for the ministry that the Lord has for them. Another another uniqueness of of Grace School of the Bible is that it's offered on an extension basis through the use of, of video. In other words, we we send the school to you rather than requiring you to come to us. And what that does is allows you to enjoy the regular sound Bible teaching and edification in the comfort and convenience of your own home and to fit it into your own scheduling demands and the and the ministry that perhaps you already have where you are, if you are or you have ever desired to be, a serious student of God's Word, why not call us today for a free catalog? That number again is 888-535-2300. And let me also say thanks to those who are helping us to keep this program on this station. This is uh, genuinely listener-supported radio, and I hope you're encouraged to know that there are folks in your area who love the Word of God Rightly Divided and who rejoice in the message of grace and the joy of the grace life. My friend, if you don't have a fellowship to attend this week where the message of grace is taught from the rightly divided word and the grace life is clearly proclaimed, call me, and we'll put you in touch with a group in your area where you can find that fellowship and encouragement. Our number again is 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me at any time at The Richest of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. And, friend, if you're still not sure of salvation, that your sins are forgiven, and that you have eternal life as a present possession, be sure to let us know, and we'll be happy to send you some gospel literature that will make the way plain. That number, again, is 888 535 Twenty-three hundred. Thanks for joining us today, and until we meet again this same time and place next week, Maranatha.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon intelligence agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.